Blog Talk Radio. Cincinnati, Cincinnati, we got a team right here in town. Cleveland, Cleveland, Intro from when the last time they made it to the Super Bowl? Probably. By any chance? Okay. Probably. It, it's very old. It is very old. But as the song goes, who do they think will beat them Bengals? Nobody. We got the quarterback. We finally got the guy. And we're in the Super Bowl. I didn't think – I was six years old the last time the Bengals were in the Super Bowl. And watching them – over the last 30-plus years, I never thought I would see them in the Super Bowl again because they always choked in the big moments. But, you know, man, I just – I had this funny feeling that when we beat the Raiders and that playoff monkey was off our back and we finally got it, that I was like, you know what, now they're playing with house money. And I think I said that on one of the shows. I was like, I, I feel like now that, that, that playoff monkey's off their back and they won the game, they can go places. I didn't think it was going to be the Super Bowl, but I was not surprised to see them in the AFC title game because I thought, you know, that when that pressure's off your back to win the playoff game, the, something that hasn't been done in 31 years, that's that's a lot of historical pressure. And, and then – but man, wow. I mean, let's not let's not you know get away from the fact that the team is very well put together. You know, they've played well all season um, on both sides of the ball, offense and defense. So, I mean, there are a couple of uh, um, you know uh, names I would say that you know former first round you know busts that are now doing great for the Bengals. You know, um, second round players, guys that yeah, yep, yep, guys like Eli Apple. Correct. Um, you know, um, guys like uh, Duzier, the quarterback from a corner from Dallas, from Dallas, and then you got you know a few other guys uh, littered throughout the team. But yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. We'll see what happens, and we'll have a lot more Super Bowl coverage as it gets closer to the actual game. But you know, I want to talk about something, Sam, because I feel like on our show we we do we we kind of try to keep it real. And I think for our show, we try to be entertaining, but we also try to be informative. That's why we have, like, you know, things like the Chronic Corner. We talk about movies. We, we have our little silly games that we play here, here and there. And uh, But we, we also try to be analytical. But I feel like in an era today, n- none of these sports people, other than a handful of them, try to be entertaining or different. They live off the hot takes. They live off of clear looking for the next hot take, promote, or have a viewpoint on. Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless, Colin Cowherd, Nick Wright. These guys love 
you know, and then they have such a short memory it, that they don't even bring up half the time. I know Colin Coward does these things, you know, where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong, but he never addresses his freezing cold takes that he had from like a year ago that he was way wrong on. Um, Stephen A. Smith, when the when Burrow was coming out just a few short years ago, he was like, if they really care about this kid, don't let him go to Cincinnati. Now he's singing the praises of the Bengals and how they're in the Super Bowl and singing the praises of how well-run a team it is. And I'm like, just two years ago, you were saying we were a terrible franchise. And now and now you're changing your tune. And we have all these guys, and Nick Wright is one of them. Nick Wright. Hey, I th- sorry, I want to interrupt you real quick and say yeah. something. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a hot take, but the moment that hot take goes completely the other direction, at the first instance, you have to revert and go back and kind of eat your own words because you said it, yeah. right? Exactly. And I would have more respect for some of these guys if they say said things. But I don't think a lot of them are saying things that they truly believe. That's my problem. I think a lot of them they say it's for entertainment purposes because that's what moves the ne- that's what moves the needle now. Because it's too hard to be entertaining. Not everybody can be the Dan Levitard show or Pat McAfee show. Now now you just have to say wild and crazy shit. And we're seeing it with Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan went from respected stand-up comedian to hearing on this podcast half the time. I don't know if you heard the latest thing where he says, is it really right to call back unless they're from the darkest places of Africa? And I'm like, what the? Yeah, Rogan, I think Rogan's running out of material, to be honest with you. He's, he's, he, you know, he used his MMA prowess, his, um, you know, uh, him, you know, kind of jumping into different types of, of, of drugs, you know, mushrooms, DMT, et cetera, right? Um, he's, he's kind of used up every well that he has now. And the, the, the whole, you know, COVID, the pandemic, the whole vaccine, uh, vaccine situation has given him more ammo to now take it and move further. It's fine. See, the, the problem is, even if he's right about what he's saying, right, he, yeah. he's doing it in a way that not many people have access to it, right? So you're – People are going to take his words. They're going to they're going to twist it. They're going to use it the wrong way. They may not even believe it in the same manner that he's explaining it. Right. Right. I, I think he's running out of like I said. I think he's running out of of, of material to kind of go through at this point. That's probably very right. Uh, speaking of rights, and his last name should be Nick Wrong because he's very definitely wrong. dead wrong is more like it's shit. <laughs> but guy is fanboy extreme and I'm going to go into, you know, obviously he's the lover of LeBron James. LeBron James is the greatest basketball player ever according to him. Uh, you know, th- things don't matter to him uh, like reality. Tom Brady, or I'm not sorry, I'm sorry, not Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes being in his fifth year in the league as a starting quarterback is already the greatest quarterback of all time. I'm sorry. To ever play, to ever play in the history of the to game. To ever play in the history yeah. of the game. Tom Brady in his 10 Super Bowl appearances and seven rings would like something to say because I'm I'm sorry Patrick Mahomes he's a very great he's a great player he's probably going to be in the Hall of Fame in fact he's probably going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer but until someone has 15 years of doing it at a high level I don't want to hear it. Aaron Rodgers, I believe, I you, you know, you can fact check me on this, but I believe he won a Super Bowl within his first or second year as becoming the starter in Green Bay. And he hasn't won one yeah, since. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He hasn't won one since. 
And that's why I was talking with a buddy of mine about Joe Burrow. I'm happy to see Burrow and the Bengals in the Super Bowl. What I don't want to see is if they lose, Burrow never going back to the Super Bowl. Or, or if they do win it, him never appearing in the Super Bowl again. I would like to see, so, you know, I would be happy with a Ben Roethlisberger, you know, someone who went to three Super Bowls and one or three or four Super Bowls and won two. I'm fine with that. But at this, as, you know, I don't. But it's too early to say. And I, you know, Mahomes, meanwhile, has been to two Super Bowls. He's played in four AFC title games. He's two and two in those AFC title games. They've all been at home. They've all been in Kansas City, and he's one and one in the Super Bowl. So let's not anoint him just yet. But I want to get to this, you know, because Nick Crow had to eat, or Nick Wright had to eat a lot of crow this morning on the show. But this was his Friday take going. Uh, this is some of the audio from Friday's show, first things first, before the conference championship games. ...have to come out. I know, I know Tyron wasn't yeah. there, but that's why I am nervous for the Chiefs. No, it's very interesting. Wow. But just so you know, Wild, nice I'm diagnosing from afar, that pain in your mouth was your mouth actually revolting against that terrible take. It's not a cavity. It was your mouth like, don't make me do it. I don't want to say this. You've been making me have these terrible Chiefs opinions all year. It's your mouth is revolting against you. So here's the deal. The what's more likely is a blowout. Here's a quick question for the panel. Four teams left. We can put everyone on the screen if you would, because I think they will just, you know, affirm or negate, uh, uh, you know, visually. Um, Of the four teams left this postseason, have the Chiefs been the most impressive? I think so. I think they have the best win. Their offense scored 42. Of the four teams, they've been the best. Of the four teams left this postseason, who's been the worst? Who's been the least impressive? Oh, it's the team that the both of their wins against the Raiders and the Titans came down to the final play of the game. So, okay, so you have the most impressive team against the least impressive team. Okay, so that's, that's an interesting fact here. Another one. What is the one thing we know about this game? We know the Chiefs are going to score at least 30 points. Well, how do we know that? Well, Patrick Mahomes has played 10 playoff games, but really only nine because the Browns game, he didn't play and he got injured very early in the second half. So throw that one out. Here are the Chiefs' points in those games. I can do it quickly. 31, 31, 51, 35, 31, 38, nine in the Super Bowl, 42, 42. So the Super Bowl against the Todd Bowles, Stevens, Tampa front, Five new offensive linemen. I think that's probably not going to happen against the Bengals front that doesn't have those personnel and the Chiefs offensive lines there. So what else do we know? Oh, how are the Chiefs going to respond to the emotions of this divisional round win versus how the Bengals are going to respond? Well, we have no context for how the Bengals will respond. Luckily, the Chiefs always play emotional divisional round games. Two years ago, they're down 24 nothing to the Texans, come all the way back and win. How do they respond? Oh, they I'm sorry, they score 35 and blow out the Titans. Last year, they win a game where Patrick Mahomes gets hurt. Chad Henney, anything is possible play. Final offensive play of the game. How do they respond there? Oh, they scored 38 Good on point. Buffalo. And then lastly, do is Patrick Mahomes, we can show you the numbers now, is he the greatest playoff quarterback ever? Well, he's on pace to be. That's all-time rankings, but that's going to take a long time. Here's what won't take a long time. Is Patrick Mahomes having right now the greatest postseason run ever? The answer to that is yes. 
a 131 rating, gonna score. nine total touchdowns. The one pick was a tip pass, actually more yards per rush than yards per pass, 440 yards per game. And Bruce Hart, what's the competition he's done it against? Well, the defensive player of the year plus Mike Tomlin was the first one. And the second one was the number one defense in football. So what's more likely that team loses or that team blows the doors off the happy to be here Bengals? Guys, 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 <laughs> if, if this is this has 42 to 17 written all over. No way. Certainly more likely. Oh. Oh, sorry, I can't believe I, I actually didn't I didn't hear all of it. Um, I had heard like bits and pieces of it um, on Saturday, uh, yeah. but like now listening to all of it, I, he's absolutely delirious, bro. Sorry, Nick. Right, your team didn't score thirty points. Your team scored twenty four, three in the second half, and the Bengals completely shut him down in the second half. I, you know, it's it's just you know, yeah. Yeah, oh, he went up again. You know what's funny is when he's making. Uh, how do you even? How do you even say that? You how do you use Ben Roethlisberger's piss poor Pittsburgh offense just because you have T.J. Watt does not mean that it's going to be an, a great defense to go up against. Of course, he's going to spank him. You know. You know what's funny about that? Before the game, before that Kansas City Pittsburgh game, he uses T.J. Watt as an example to make his case for Mahomes, but. Two weeks earlier, when the Chiefs were about to play Pittsburgh, he said, he said, and I, we don't have the audio for it, but Nick Wright said on the very same show that the Chiefs should rest Tyreek and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey because drawing the Steelers was basically as good as a bye. So, if, if that, that was if that was done, that there might have been a chance at the Steelers actually winning. Yeah, for sure, for sure. He 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 made the point that. They should rest Kelsey and Tyreek Hill because drawing the Steelers was as good as a buy. Then two weeks later, says, oh, well, Mahomes drew the defensive player of the year in Mike Tomlin, so that's why they have a better resume than the Bengals. Come on, man. Come on. You can't sit there and say, rest your two-star offensive players because getting the Steelers is as good as a buy, and then turn around and give them credit and say, you know, actually, they're a very tough opponent. They had T.J. Watt, blah, 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 blah. So, One thing I want to say, Nick Wright is, uh, before we, you know, kind of move on from this, but Nick Wright is such a homer for the stats. But the stats that he was pointing out, because we don't have the visual clip, we only have the audio, about Patrick Mahomes being the greatest playoff quarterback is yards, touchdown passes, those things like that. That's all great, but doesn't being one of the greatest playoff quarterbacks of all time mean you have to win championships? It can't just be about stats. He points to that's what he uses to make the argument that LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan. LeBron James has more assists, more points scored. Fine, but you don't look at the errors that they play in. Patrick Mahomes plays in the most soft, probably the softest era of NFL football ever. You can't sneeze on the quarterback without getting a penalty flag thrown. You, the defensive back. PIs, PIs are called like, like you know, like the, people are going out for, for trick-or-treating, bro. In the 80s, in the 90s, you know how hard it was to draw pass interference calls? You, you had to be, like, on the ground, like, hey, ref, look at me. I got pulled down. And quarterbacks got hit in the 80s and 90s. They got hit. They actually took punishment. Tom Brady 
Remember how old Joe Montana looked in Kansas City? He was 34 years old. Oh, man, he looks so old, dude. Tom Brady is 45. That's the reason why these guys play till they're 40 years old now, because you can't hit the quarterback. LeBron James plays in an era where they can't hand check and where defensive fouls are called for, you know, everything. Uh, you know, the eras are different, and Nick Wright wants to give all the credits to LeBron James over Michael Jordan because based on stats, and now he's already calling Mahomes the greatest of all time, and I think it's early for that. Uh, but, yeah. I, so you know what my take is? You see, again, and, and I, I, I kind of digress a bit in the sense because, you know, we're, we have a lot to talk about. But, yeah. you know, our era of, of, uh, of sports fans, right, um, stats – or numbers, right? Numbers usually couldn't lie in our era, right? Sure. Now, you know, it, it's how you push which statistic, which analytic, in what light do you show it? Uh, you know, you, you could pull out these crazy stats where someone can say, well, Matt Schaub had, had, had more productive, two productive seasons as a starting quarterback. You could do like, you could drill down to like crazy stats and actually try to prove points. But in our era, like, that w- really wasn't the case. It was like a level playing field almost. It's like the 80s players understood the 90s. The 90s understands the 2000s. This era now of, like, the 2010s, I would say, is yeah. so stat-driven that they can take any number and paint any picture they want. And, but also, I feel like anybody can now go out in football and throw for at least close to 4,000 yards. Any quarterback. Almost. See, 4,000 used to be, like, a big deal. 4,000 was like, oh, whoa, 4,000. Like, and when yeah. Dan Marino threw for five, it was like, you're a god, you know? Exactly. Because they didn't throw the ball. No one saw that kind of thing. Now it's not as surprising. Now it's like, okay. Now you got Matt Stafford with 5,000. You had uh, Ben Roethlisberger with 5,000. You had Drew Brees multiple 5,000 years, you know? Uh, yeah. It just, yeah, it, it's. It's still noteworthy, but at the same time, when, you, when you're throwing the ball 50 times a game, it's not as statistically relevant. It's kind of like dropping 30 points in the NBA game now because it's so easy to score in this league. Um, yeah, I mean, you have, you have uh, fringe all-star players averaging 25 points a game, you know? Yeah. So uh, we didn't really cover the NFC Championship game. We'll do some championship game coverage, and we'll go on to our next segment. But the NFC title game was also pretty close. Um, but the Niners had a 10-point lead going into the fourth quarter, uh, I, I, and the Rams just shut down. I believe the, the last two drives, Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers did not – Had no time, bro. He had no time. They were already in his face before he can even go to his second check down. Yeah. It was crazy. Which is something that worries me coming into the Super Bowl for the Bengals. But, man, Aaron Donald, he's been a beast all year. He's been a beast his whole career. Some people are really happy for Matthew Stafford uh, finally getting here after, you know, playing in Detroit for some time, not having a lot of success. Um. But Stafford, man, he has he threw an interception early in that game, I believe, in the first quarter when they were in the red zone. And Stafford still has that, even though he's, I believe, 33 years old and he's he's been around the league for a while, he still makes some throws where you're just like, what are you doing? So the funny thing is, like, that was his, like, kind of sort of like a, a, a – uh, 
a chip that made him better, but as he aged, it didn't really age well. You know, it's that gunslinger Brett Favre mentality, trying to, you know, do something crazy. Like he does that every so often. I don't. I, I would hope that on um, in the biggest game of his career on the largest stage, you know, ever for football, um, he wouldn't make those mistakes. But that's the thing. He may just make throw a, a red zone pick. You know, when when you are like, yo, you know, your your slot receiver's wide open on a slant. Why are you trying to squeeze it into your tight end? You know, uh, I don't know. There, there, there's many scenarios where Stafford looks very average sometimes. After you, after you watch him, you're like, well, why did that happen? Then next next series, he's hitting cup for like a 30-yard perfectly placed in his pocket, you know, for a first down on third and 13. So, uh, I mean, I hope the Bengals can, can capitalize on like a, a silly mistake. But I don't know, man. It, it, it's a big stage. I, I don't. He may not have the reins to do something stupid. Yeah. Well, you know, the 49ers um, had owned the Rams going into this game. They had won six in a row against the Rams. And it was looking like it was going to happen again. Uh, Debo Samuel had a phenomenal play uh, where he housed it from 47 yards out. But – I, you know, obviously, I think Grapple is a free agent at the end of the season. Uh, the 49ers already got his replacement drafted, Trey Lance. To me, Garoppolo, he's really hard for me to dissect. Um, he, he wins the playoffs when he's been healthy. Garoppolo, you know who he right, reminds me of, uh, Sam? He reminds me a lot of Joe Flacco. And I say that because Flacco won in the playoffs quite a bit with the Ravens. He won one Super Bowl. That year in the, the, in the run-up to the Super Bowl, he had 11 touchdowns and no interceptions. Uh, was averaging about 315 yards passing per game. Um, Flacco never – his stats never jumped out to you in the regular season. You're always just kind of like, oh, you know – He's he's okay. He's pretty good, but he doesn't really – he never had, like, the Aaron Rodgers stats or whatever. But the guy won in the playoffs, and there's something to be said about that. And, you know, I look – like, Flacco, for instance, like, probably his best year was in 2014. Uh, no, I take that uh, – yeah, 2014 when he threw for almost 4,000 yards. He was 12 yards short in 2014. He threw 27 touchdown passes, 12 interceptions. Uh, this guy. That's though, that's not that's, that's not eye popping though, you know. But it's not eye popping. It's kind of average, really, if it you look at it. Pretty average. Uh, yeah. I mean, in fact, he averaged roughly about um, twenty three touchdowns to to ten inter- twenty three touchdowns and eleven interceptions. Over that's 20. terrible. He 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 hadn't even cracked thirty in his career. Never cracked thirty. Twenty seven was as close as he got. Okay. But the guy won in the playoffs, and and he had some great runs in the playoffs. And Jimmy Garoppolo, a lot, very similar, man. Like, you look at his stats, he hasn't thrown for 30 touchdowns yet. Uh, 2019, when the 49ers went to the Super Bowl, he threw 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, and he threw for 3,978 yards. Very similar to what to a Flacco season. This past year, he threw for 3,810 yards, 20 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Yeah, made it to the Granted, he lost some time. He was injured, right? Yeah, he, he, he well, he played 15 games, and so he lost. He missed two games where he didn't where he didn't play, uh, where he didn't start. 
two games. But still, you know, maybe add three touchdown passes to that and maybe another, you know, 200 yards. So maybe he cracks 4,000 yards uh, this, you know, this year if he plays, stays healthy. But, man, it's astounding how close statistics-wise Garoppolo is to Joe Flacco. But these guys, they win in the playoffs. So, I, you know, I feel like maybe if you're a team that is – I, let me ask you, if Garoppolo goes to – what's the place that needs a court? Uh, I'm not going to say the New York Giants because I feel like that franchise. Pittsburgh. Let's say Pittsburgh. Let's go Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's probably a 10-11 win team next year, don't you think? See, I think I, – I agree. I have to agree because I think these guys, Flacco, Garoppolo, they're also very good team players, so they actually end up landing on teams that actually have decent defenses, right? So, yeah. um, you know, uh, Flacco obviously had that, that vaunted, uh, you know, um, the Ravens defense uh, when he was there. And yeah. even for Garoppolo, Gar- the, the Niners defense has been pretty good the last couple of years. Yeah. So <clears throat> I, I definitely see them in the playoff picture if Garoppolo's on that team next year. He's, he's a little bit – you know, I, I like the comp of, of, of Flacco, but I really like – the Alex Smith uh, comparison because uh, Flacco's won one ring, but like I see Jimmy as like a game manager that can make all the right throws. And if he gets a really good coach, he can light it up every once in a while. Yeah. That's pretty much Alex Smith. You know, he, you know, before coming to Kansas city, he was always on the cusp. Alex Smith was on the cusp of being possibly being good, possibly, you know, in the middle of the – you never know. So yeah. then he had two years in Kansas City, and his first year he blew the brakes off of everything. You know, he's throwing, he threw for like 4,000 yards, 30-plus touchdowns. He did great. He was a pro bowler that year. And then playoffs early. Yep, exactly, exactly. But, I mean, that's the only part, the playoff wins and, you know, that – but I'm saying as far as talent goes, yeah, I think the talent is – I think got a really good team. If he ends up if he ends up on the Jags, I don't see like take away Trevor Lawrence. If he ends up on the Texans, no Deshaun Watson, I don't see them going far. He's got to go on a team that has good players, good uh, weapons, a defense. That's a good point. He he can't go to a completely rebuilding franchise and lead them to the playoffs. He has to go to an established team like Minnesota, like you know even hell the Washington Football Team. I think he could yeah be- because they're in a weak division. I would say for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that is all we have for segment one. Um, we want to thank our listeners uh, for tuning in. Uh, sorry we couldn't make Friday's show. We had some uh, health issues. Uh, family was sick, uh, and so we had to take uh, that took precedence over or over our uh, podcast here. But everybody's on the mend and doing better, so we're happy for that. Um, we're gonna moving on to the second segment. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, fantasy football purposes, because we were kind of talking about moving parts, and I don't want to spend a ton of time on this since fantasy football is wrapping up, but for from a dynasty perspective, we have a lot of moving parts there where guys that could be projected to have big seasons, now all of a sudden they see their numbers falling flat. Like, a lot of people thought Brady – was coming back at least for one more year. And guys like Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, especially in dynasty drafts, went fairly high. How bad do those numbers drop off 
depending on who the quarterback is. Like, if if Tampa goes full rebuild and Kyle Trask is like the starter, how how bad are the numbers going to be for Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and and, and the players there in Tampa? So I, I don't think a, a player like Evans Evans kind of breaks the mold. Uh, I think there's a definitely a tier difference between uh, Evans and, and Godwin. Yeah. Um, so I think you'll see a lot of first first year stats from from Mike Evans, like a thousand yards, six touchdowns type of deal. You know, he's not going to get his thirteen. He's not going to get into the teens. He's not going to get fifteen hundred yards. Um, he, in his height with, with Jameis Winston as quarterback, uh, you know, uh, Mike Evans had great years, but his touchdown numbers were always low, always low. Throughout his career, they were always low, and, and his number of receptions were also low too. So I think yeah. you could see a little bit of that regression as, as, as far as stats go. Godwin, on the other hand, I, I, don't, I think he drops a tier below that too. Coming off an ACL now with an unproven quarterback, I think he, his his stock takes a bigger hit. Then what about a guy like Najee Harris? If Pittsburgh doesn't land a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers, like has been rumored, and maybe they strike out on the rookie quarterbacks because they're drafting too too late and they're gone, and you roll into the season with a Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins as your starters, Najee Harris in redraft leagues or in dynasty, I still feel like you're comfortable with it because at some point Pittsburgh. You can give it time, right? I think that's the only thing is like dynasty. Now you can sit on the player. If he has a bad year, he has a bad year, right? The redraft leagues, I know a lot of people had pegged possibly Najee Harris as a first round pick. If they roll into the season with with Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins and that offense. Oh, that's long. trouble, man. They're going to stack the box. It's going to be, it's going to be very hard. It's going to be a lot of what you saw kind of this year. Um, when, when the defenses realize that Ben's arm is completely non-existent, they stack yeah. the box and he's got 22 carries, 82 yards or 78 yards and a touchdown that that's very inefficient. you got the touchdown, but it's very inefficient as far as numbers go. It is, and sometimes you don't get the touchdowns. And then the, the last four weeks of the season, you didn't even get the receiving yards. He would have like three catches for eight yards. Yeah. So if you're if you're losing out on possibly receptions and rushing touchdowns, it's a problem. Yeah. It's it's rough. And then uh, another question as far as fantasy football goes for movers and shakers: If Russell Wilson leave Seattle, what does that do to the value of uh, D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett? D.K. should probably be out, in my opinion. Um, Unless they have a really good um, setup to bring in another competent quarterback, I I think that D.K. should be out. Okay. Lockett Uh might be the beneficiary of D.K. leaving, because then he'll get paid. But I don't know. If he values his uh, growth in his career, he'd want to go to a team that has a competent quarterback. If, imagine having Russell Wilson throw the ball to you for your first two years in the league, yeah. and then all of a sudden now you have, uh, I don't know, give me a name, bro. Geno Smith. There you go. You got Geno Smith. <laughs> Geno freaking Smith. God, I hate the Mountaineers. Uh, so you have Geno Smith. Uh, throwing to you, who in the right mind would be like, yeah, sure, let's run with that. Let me sign a long-term deal with you guys. No. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, so Tom Brady announces his retirement. Um, I think, I mean, it's it's really hard for me to sit here and say 
he's not the greatest quarterback of all time. I just ten ten Super Bowl appearances, seven rings, um, all the stats he's put up over the time. You know, even this year he had a great. To me, looking at him play this year, there was no drop off. It still looked like he could play another three years in the league. I to, so what I ask you is. It's going to be hard for any quarterback to come close to his 10 Super Bowl appearances and seven rings. But let's say if – and Mahomes lost to Brady twice. He lost to him in the AFC title game uh, in his first year as starter. Then he lost to Brady in the, play, in the Super Bowl. But let's just hypothetically say Mahomes holds all the passing records, yards, touchdown passes, yada, 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 completion percentage, whatever. Let's say he holds all the passing records – plus appears in, let's say, seven Super Bowls winning five. Can he overtake Brady as the greatest of all time? Or does he need to win more than seven Super Bowls since Brady got the best of him twice? I think so. I believe so. You believe so what? Uh, that he needs to win? Um... Yeah, he has to. In order, in order to have... Uh, a comparison to Brady, you have to have the accolades that go behind it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it, it's th- – those numbers are just unreal. They're unreal. Um, the numbers are unreal because it's hard to imagine uh, – again, this is a, a, a team sport, and there really aren't any dynasties in, in, in the NFL like there are in, in basketball and maybe even baseball for that matter. Um, it's hard to see, you know, one player – make it to that many Super Bowls. It is, anymore. I mean, and Brady did it. You know why Brady did it, too? And I think this gets lost on a lot of people. Brady never signed for the max contract, that quarterback, that he could have taken. Because he wanted to make the team better. He was a team guy. He was a team guy. He still made his money. He still made his money. And I think that has to go – that needs to be said. Tom Brady – it's not like he was playing for $14 million a season. I think he was around 24, 25. Yeah. No, yeah. But, if, 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 Peyton, if, if there was one year when Peyton got extended and they paid Peyton $5 million more per year um, than Brady did, and Peyton's like, no, make mine the same that he gets paid. Cause he, yeah. And, and, you know, Brady took less money so the better team could be put around him. And I want to point out, Mahomes' salary goes from seven to thirty-six million. Unreal, man! The amount of money this guy's going to make on the tail end of his career is sick, absolutely sick. But how good will the Chiefs continue to be? Because when your when your cap number jumps from seven to thirty-six million dollars, and you have pending free agents, it it lowers your ability to put talent around you. And I think a lot of these guys they want to get paid. And I understand that football is a violent sport. You don't know when, how short your career is going to be. But if you're a quarterback, you got to be looking at shit and being like, look, I don't get hit that much. Anything, anytime I do get hit, it's a penalty. Tom Brady. Wouldn't you, yeah, wouldn't you want to be more, be relevant for longer in, in like the term as, as in like number of years moving forward instead of, um, you know, kind of looking up for your pocket, really? I don't know. You would think Russell Wilson signed that big contract. Oh, no, right team. after they did that, the, the whole Legion of Boom just had to – it dissipated. It was gone. Russell Wilson signed that big signs that big deal. Seattle hasn't been back to the Super Bowl since. 
Aaron Rodgers is always one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league. Always, they, he always reworks his deal to be one of the highest paid. Where, how many Super Bowls has Green Bay been to since 2011? Zero. Uh, you know, you have yeah. You have other guys taking all this money and then then complaining that the team. Same thing happened with Joe Flacco. Remember. As soon as Flacco won, as soon as Flacco won his his Super Bowl, he signed this massive extension, and all of a sudden now you can't afford Jimmy Smith or there was a couple. There was a corner they couldn't afford. There was a couple of guys they just couldn't afford to pay. One of the receivers they couldn't afford anymore. Yeah, and I believe so. Flacco looks very Joe Average because you're not surrounding him with talent anymore. Hey, you know. Dak Prescott, we're going to see how this works out. He signed a massive deal to stay in Dallas. What happens when you don't, when you can't sign Amari Cooper anymore and your offensive line, you can't pay them anymore? Like, it just – you know, and I, I, I don't blame them. It's probably going to happen to Joe Burrow and the Bengals at some point. Burrow's going to sign a massive contract. Sir Josh Allen uh, is going to sign a massive one in Buffalo. Uh so, I don't know. It'll just be interesting. I feel like whichever quarterback is floating out there between those guys that doesn't sign that massive contract um, and kind of takes the Brady route is going to have – I'm not going to say Brady-like success with 10 Super Bowl appearances, but we'll have more success than the other ones. No, I, I agree. And one more quick thing I wanted to point out. Philly went this, went this pretty much the same route as well. So they were able to load up on a, on a young team while they still had Wentz's rookie contract, right? Right. But they ended up paying him, you know, after he got in. They got they paid him right before he got injured, I believe, and they continued to pay him all those, you know, the following years after that, which hurt their ability to retain quality players, you know. Right. Even though Wentz was not playing and it was still Foles that ended the season, it's still they still have a salary to 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 take in, into account, right? Right. And that's why they say when you draft a rookie quarterback, you have about a five-year window to try to get to a Super Bowl or win a Super Bowl while they're on that rookie deal. Yeah, I, I don't even know if five is the number anymore, man. Like, you really got to show something promise in three, like something like the Bengals did. You know, yeah. you have to do something like that because five now is too much. Now you have a guy that's been mediocre maybe for three years and all of a sudden has amazing – the last two years are amazing, and you have a couple of players that are doing that, a wide receiver, a tight end, a tackle – and it's a problem. So you, I, I don't know, man. I, I really like the way the route the Bengals have gone. They picked up a lot of pieces on the side. They picked up a, a bunch of castoffs, you know, from other other teams, um, other years, first round, second round picks, whatever. Yeah. They they built something good, man. I like I like that. It's a um, good model to follow. It is, yeah, it is. Um, I would agree there. So Saturday, you know, it was kind of weird to see uh, Royal Rumble on a Saturday. I don't think Vince McMahon and WWE wanted to compete with the NFL on a Sunday. Um, so they had the pay-per-view. Yeah, not after they saw the ratings that, that the, the Chiefs and, and Bills game had. Yeah. <laughs> well, we had the Royal Rumble. In fact, Saturday night, Sam, even, you know, because my son wasn't feeling good and I kind of stayed up to just kind of check on him, make sure he was okay. But I was up till midnight watching this thing, okay? And, man, it was a lackluster pay-per-view. And you want to talk about predictable for the Royal Rumble winners? The minute Ronda Rousey's music hit, you knew she was going to win the Women's Royal Rumble. There's no surprise there. Then Brock Lesnar enters at 30 after dropping the title to Bobby Lashley earlier in the show. 
And you all knew that he was going to win because he had a final four of Shane McMahon, Riddle, and Drew McIntyre. Gee, who's going to main event WrestleMania? Shane McMahon, Riddle? <laughs> Definitely not, man. Very, very predictable. I, I feel like, you know, we finally that we're turning the corner, coming back to wrestling with, um, you know, the, the football season coming to an end, playoff, Super Bowl, whatever. I, I think we sound like broken records. Like, what is WWE doing? This is not entertainment. It's not. Well, let me let me just start with the first uh, with the first thing. Brock Lesnar, because day one his match with Roman Reigns gets canceled because Roman Reigns has COVID. They insert Brock Lesnar into the Raw Championship match and have him take the title off Biggie Langston, only to drop it to Bobby Lashley three weeks later. Here's the thing. They build Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar as a dream match because the two had been around WWE forever. They had never fought each other. Okay. If they really wanted to build this, they would. And they both had like, they both had an MMA career outside of wrestling. Yeah. They both had an MMA career. I would say, you you know, Brock Lesnar did it in UFC. Bobby Lashley did it over at Bellator, but they both were champions in the respective UFC, in the respective MMA fighting. But they wanted to build this up right. Instead of putting Lesnar in the title picture, they would have just gave him the day off and then maybe interfere in the match and cost Lashley the champion, a shot at the championship. Then you're like, holy shit, and now there's something to fight for at Royal Rumble because Lesnar cost Lashley. And then you could still have Lesnar win the Royal Rumble if you wanted to and then go fight Roman Reigns. And, and, and But now – Lashley doesn't have an opponent for WrestleMania. His title win feels cheap because Lesnar just beat the shit out of him for roughly 15 minutes, taking him to Suplex City. And then he wins because Roman Reigns came out to take Paul Heyman back and then hit Brock Brock Lesnar in the face with a belt. I mean, it was the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen. It was was terrible booking. And why they dropped the title off Big E Langston there. Uh, only to have Brock Lesnar drop it to Bobby Lashley three weeks later in a throwaway match. That made no. You could have you could have done Biggie and Bobby if you really wanted to. You could have done Biggie and 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 uh, you know Roman Reigns for you know just to give it a chance, something new, something fresh, something different, right? Well, but I don't think they would do Biggie and Roman Reigns because they're in separate promotions, right? Ro- Roman Reigns. I'm sorry, is, I, I take that back. Is on SmackDown and Bobby right. Lashley is the Raw champion, but but regardless. If you want to take the belt off Big E, I have no problem with that. Have him drop it on day one. Don't drop it to Lesnar, who is just going to give it back three weeks later because you want the match of Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar that you couldn't have at day one. There was 10,000 ride-arounds that you could have put that would have not cheapened the product like you did. Then you have probably the first 15 minutes of this match was the match of the night, Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins comes out in full shield gear, comes out through the crowd like the shield used to, playing mind games with Roman Reigns. This was a heavy-hitting fight from the from the beginning. Seth Rollins powerbombed Roman Reigns through the announce table in the first five minutes. But then you had this weird ending where Roman Reigns put Seth Rollins in a submission hold, and I believe it was uh, uh, I think it was a triangle choker, some kind of submission hold, I forget. Seth Rollins doesn't make it to the ropes. Charles Robinson, the referee, it actively looked like when he was 
raising his hand to see if he was out. And he, it looked like Charles Robinson moved his hand so that it would just drop on the rope. That's what it looked like, and a lot of people said the same thing. Then when Roman Reigns didn't break the hold at five seconds, they called for a DQ, and that's how it ends, on a fucking DQ. It was the match of the night for, until the last three minutes of the fight, and then it went from bad – it went from great to shit. And, and then once again – you had the Men's Royal Rumble, which was on late, that we had to sit through a shitty mixed tag team match of The Miz and Maurice versus uh, Edge and Beth Phoenix. And, and you had no surprises in the Royal Rumble. You had guys like AJ Styles, who came in at number one, get eliminated after about 20 minutes. And it just, man, it was so lackluster. And as we have said before, the WWE is refusing to push new stars. Why do you take the title off Biggie Langston? If he's not drawing right now, it's because you haven't booked him correctly. You haven't booked him to look like a credible champion. They are going to the well of Brock Lesnar and Edge and all these old talents way too much. Would you would you say Roman Reigns and like um AJ Styles and, and some of these other guys are probably like the last well developed stars that that WWE came out with because they're not doing anything to really nurture the guys, the new guys right now, like Big E for that matter, like you just mentioned. Right. So I I don't know if if that, that old school era of putting the the wrestler in a good position with the good, you know, a a good storyline, a good uh, venue, um, you know, maybe a hometown, something like that. Right. I don't think they're, they're doing those kind of things to get the wrestlers going. No, you're right. As far as their career, so. They're not. But the other thing is, AEW does a masterful job of mixing established talent, guys like CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, John Moxley, Cody Rhodes, with the young talent like Sammy Guevara, like Darby Allen, like MJF. They do a good job of, of their young, homegrown stars having a lot of shine while still maintaining some of the veterans that came over from WWE. Man, you have Kevin Owens here in WWE. you got guys like Drew McIntyre, who I think should get another run as champion. The dude was champion during the pandemic, playing in front of empty arenas. It's hard to get popped when you're playing in front of empty arenas. It's hard to get that same excitement for a champion when there's no crowd there. But and you can pump in crowd noise all you want, but it's really yeah. not, not even close. It's not close. Uh, w, but Royal Rumble, which is one of the shows I look forward to every year, it's always good for some good surprises, some good matchups. So it was just so predictable. And we're going to get a two-day WrestleMania that feels kind of mess already. You, there's nothing fresh. How many times do we? And this is supposed to be. This is supposed to be the crown jewel, right? It is. And how many times are we going to see Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns? How many times? How many times? Imagine if Andre the Giant fought Hulk Hogan in 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 four out of the last eight WrestleManias. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know if if uh, the the fans would really like that because what made that match so great was that it didn't happen frequently, you know. Exactly. The, the yeah. build-up, the the, the the mysticism, the aura, everything behind it, that's what made it such a great showing. And obviously you have two great wrestlers doing what they do. 
uh, mic work the whole nine, but they didn't keep reusing the same, you know, uh, I guess you could say fireworks, you know, it's a one-time fireworks kind of deal. You can use it only so many times before the crowd gets tired of it. A hundred percent. Here it is. I'm looking at all the times Roman Reigns has fought Brock Lesnar, okay? They fought at WrestleMania. They fought in a triple threat match in WrestleMania in 2015, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. They fought in another triple threat match at Fastlane, Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns versus Dean and and Dean Ambrose. They fought in a fatal four-way at SummerSlam in 2017, where it was Brock Lesnar versus Reigns, Samoa Joe, and Braun Strowman. They fought at WrestleMania in 2018 for the Universal Championship, Lesnar versus Reigns. They fought at the Greatest Royal Rumble, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. SummerSlam 2018, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. They fought at Crown Jewel 2021, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. And now they're fighting in WrestleMania again. We're talking about eight matches. That, that's way too many times. It's way too many times. Uh, you it's know, like not even like uh, it's not even like one of those. Uh, you know, look, a trilogy match matchup. It's cool. You know, it is. You have you have you have one winning one, the other winning the other. You have a rubber match. Yeah, that's understandable. You know, they do that in MMA. They do that in boxing. Um, but eight times, it's like. You you have to wonder whether they're even wor- worrying about writing new material or trying a different storyline with their wrestlers. I mean, even if you take out the triple threat matches that they appeared together in, there's still one. If you're counting WrestleMania this year, that's one. Crown Jewel two, SummerSlam three, Greatest Royal Rumble four, WrestleMania 2018 five. Five matches that they've had already where it was just those two. And that's two too many. You know, two matches too many, I think. You know, three would be would be understandable since 2017. I can understand that. Right. Or even if it was, like, something where, okay, these guys fought for the title in 2014. Now it's been seven years since they fought for the title. Now that now it seems new again. Right. But, but yeah, yeah, but but see the thing is in those in those seven years though, Mike, uh, both wrestlers have drastically changed, right? So you have the aura again of hey, this person is now a completely different wrestler. Uh, what's going to happen? Right. And, and I, I just, I mean, WWE is so formulaic, so formulaic. They, their writing is terrible. The booking is terrible. It's just Royal Rumble was a bad product, and I don't have high hopes for WrestleMania this year, and that's that's a sad thing. That's a sad day. Is it? Is it? Is it? Uh, I hate to say this, but is it? A, is it a not watch this year, or are you still going to watch it? I still think I have to watch it, but man, it's. Haven't even announced most of the cards yet, but we know that Roman Reigns is fighting Brock Lesnar. The other thing we know is Ronda Rousey is challenging for the title. We don't know if it's going to be against Charlotte Flair or if it's going to be against Becky Lynch. She hasn't made a decision yet. Uh, a lot of the house money is on her fighting Becky Lynch for the uh, for the Raw Women's title. But what else? Who do you do you even care who Bobby Lashley fights for, with the WWE title? He he's not fighting Lesnar for it. Who's you have a? They better do. And they've done such a shit job in promoting Lashley. Yeah, yeah such a really, shit job. 
So I don't know, man. That's that's all the time we got for that segment. But man, WWE is a. Uh, it almost is starting to feel like you need you need to you need to contact someone from WWE and let us write some some new stuff for them, some new content. Yeah. Or else you're gonna be. Uh, or else, you know, Tony Khan's uh, going to be having a, a, a episode of Dynamite where they're buying WWE. So, who knows? Whoa, that's going to be that. That would be crazy. <laughs> that would be nuts. That would change the game completely. It's like changing hands. Of like, I don't know if like the ABA was still around, and all of a sudden now the ABA is like, hey, NBA, you guys suck. Uh, we're taking it back. <laughs> All right, so going on to segment three, we got some NBA basketball talk. This one subject is very old news. I wanted to talk about it Monday. We ran out of time. We didn't do a show Friday. So we're going to talk about it now. So sue us if it's a little old. But the the foul from Grayson Allen on Alex Caruso. Uncalled for, man. Completely, completely uncalled for. He's a dirty player. He's been dirty his entire life. He's a dirty, dirty player. since Ever since college. He's been yeah. dirty, and he's going to continue to be dirty. And, like, when are the refs going to realize that? If they're calling ticky-tack fouls uh, for Harden and for Curry and for Trey Young, what are they doing for Alex Caruso? So I wanted to uh, get your thoughts on that, but now uh, here's Kendall Gill on the fight. Or, I'm sorry, not on the fight, on the foul. To surgery is NBC Sports Chicago Bulls analyst Kendall Gill. Hi, Kendall. Uh, hey, Jeff. You, how you doing? I, I, you heard Grayson Allen gets a one-game suspension. That's it, one. Are you okay with that, or, or perhaps not enough? Absolutely not. I'm not okay with it. I think that Grayson Allen deserves a four- to five-game suspension. He has had a history of playing dirty and committing flagrant fouls. I think the one-game suspension is just a slap on the wrist. He will not learn anything from this. you got to make him pay out of his wallet to make him stop having this type of behavior on the court. And the Milwaukee Bucks said today, they sent out a statement saying that he shouldn't even get one game. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what they're, they're seeing. They're not seeing the same play that we saw. Obviously, they're just trying to protect their guy. They know that that was a flagrant foul. I, don't, I totally disagree with that statement. Actually, that's the first time I've ever heard of an NBA team coming out and defending a player when he's committed a flagrant two foul. Yeah, it was very surprising. All right, yeah. so Caruso's out. Lonzo Ball. So, yeah, Gil, uh, Kendall Gill kind of echoing what you said is that he's a dirty player. He has a history of being dirty. He has a very punchable face. Um, I hate Grayson Allen. I'll be honest with you. Super necessary. Yeah, super, uh, where'd our, uh, there we go. Oh, man. Okay. This is super necessary. Producer, producer, producer. <laughs> super necessary. Yeah, the producer's super necessary too, man. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Producers very super necessary on our show. Um, yeah, man. I I just I I don't I I thought that the play uh, was pretty dirty. Um, I didn't think he really needed to go after him like that. Uh, and now Caruso's out for six to eight weeks, man. And it's just it's a shame. Um, but yeah, Grace Allen just. Oh God, I don't like I don't like the guy. I don't like. See, six to eight weeks for like Caruso is um, it's really tough on the Bulls because he is, you know, coming into the game, he was third or fourth in the league in steals. He does a really good job off the bench. Um, it's it's a shame losing a player like that. Very athletic, very pass first. Um, but, like, like, 
Kendall Gill said, you know, Grayson Allen, until he loses money out of his pocket, I don't think he's going to learn. He, once he doesn't get a fi- five game checks, you know, five consecutive games in a row, he doesn't get that game check, he'll realize that, hey, I can't continue acting in this manner because yeah. it's just going to hurt me in the long run, you know? Yeah. And that's absolutely ridiculous that that, that Bud – uh, oh, sorry, Coach uh, uh, Buttonholzer, right? He, he he came out, and he was just like, oh, I didn't think it was a hard foul. I think he made a good play for the ball, and uh, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, what are you watching? You know, it, it's it, – I guarantee you they showed you on the big screen what the replay, replay looked like, and you're just blind? I don't know. Yeah. And to me, <clears throat> he looks like a, a, a sperm cell anyways, but that's besides the point. <laughs> All right, so um, I wanted to um, – the Nets are really struggling, and now they're going to be without Kevin Durant for some time. James Harden doesn't really look like the same player. This team does not look like championship material. What, what do you think about the Nets' struggles? I think this is going to be the year the Nets are going to, again, do another 180, 360, whatever you want to call it, because they have to get rid of Kyrie Irving. Their season would not be standing where it was had he had not had his controversy with being vaccinated and what the rules are. Um, him not being there and then Durant having to play harder, play longer minutes, play, be on the floor you know, more, put pressure on both Harden and Durant. They're not 25-year-olds, right? Um, right? Not having Kyrie Irving actually probably put more stress on them to score the ball. They don't have a tertiary scorer like Kyrie Irving on that team. No, their third scorer is nowhere near Kyrie Irving. So this is the year I think that, you know, if, if the if the Nets cut bait with Irving, um, you know, Harden might get shipped too. He may just, you know, break the whole thing down. Well, I, the, uh, sorry, go ahead. I'll let you finish. Sorry, go ahead. And then you have, you have Kevin Durant who can then choose to go wherever he wants to go. I, I had a trade scenario that I put together on Sam Spo that I don't know how realistic this is. I'm not including draft picks in this, which I'm sure there would have to be some kind of compensation. But I put together basically what amounts to a three-team trade. And it's dealing Harden over to the 76ers and dealing Kyrie Irving over to the Indiana Pacers. Okay, and in return, uh, sending over Miles Turner, Miles Turner from the Pacers to the Nets, and sending Ben Simmons over to the Nets. Yeah, but it doesn't make the team any better. I don't think so. You still have all the primary, the 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 all the shot, the 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 uh, taking of the shots, and it's going to be a lot of offensive burden on. Durant, you'll have Turner, another front court partner that can, you know, f- figure out your defensive issues. But they, they'll, and even with Simmons, defense is great, but like he'll still have to score a lot True. on that team. Good point. What if instead of dealing for Miles Turner, you send Kyrie Irving to the Mavericks for Chris Stapps? No. You know what I would do? I would yeah. go ahead and send Kyrie or- Irving over to the Trailblazers for Damian Lillard. Well, that would be. A That's game. what I would do, because Dame's already pissed off about being there. Kyrie obviously is jerking off this year. He's not doing much, right? Ship his ass off. Get him. Get get him the hell out of there. Isn't that would be. That would literally change the landscape for the Nets. 
I thought Lillard was potentially out for the season. Yeah, he's got a core injury and an abdominal injury that he that he's yeah. dealing with. That's why Simmons is starting and McCollum's back after a punctured lung. But um, it's not it's not it's not for the entire season. You know, he, what he did say is that he will not play the whole. He won't he won't play the season if if the Blazers are contending contending for a draft pick. So he'll take his time and decide. You know very leisurely what he wants to do this year. All right. We are running out of time, guys. Uh, last thing that I wanted to ask you on the um, NBA kind of trade rumor front is how likely are the Lakers to strike a major deal at the deadline? they got to do something. They have to get rid of Russell Westbrook. They, they have to. I know. He's owed too much money. The only thing they could do is they could do a swap for John Wall's contract. But the Rockets want a first-rounder on top of that. Yeah, and the Lakers I, are like, no. And I really don't know how much better John Wall really makes them. Oh, a lot better. A lot better. A lot really? better. See, he doesn't – see, the thing is, John Wall is not a score-first guard. He's a very speedy, and he's, yeah. and he's actually he, – he was, he was forced to be a scorer in the past. And on this team, he'll have to facilitate. Russell Westbrook can't even facilitate, dude. John Wall, if you look at his career numbers for for turnovers per game, you'd be surprised. In comparison to what he averaged as far as assists go for that year. So his his assist to turnover ratio for his career when he was at Washington before he got injured, and then even the last year that he played before he got injured, again, with the Rockets, not bad at all. Nothing close to Westbrook. So... uh... John Wall for his career averages three and a half turnovers per game while averaging about averaging seven assists per game. Okay, three and a half turnovers. Russell Westbrook is at for his career. But that, but that's bloated again, mind you. That's bloated. He, he you, you have uh, John Wall. In, in my opinion, again, you, you're looking at you know the, the other things that he had to do on the team too. He averaged three and a half turnovers per game because he had to score. He had to do a lot on that Washington squad before Bradley Beal kind of came around. So, you know, if he has the ball less in his hand, I feel like his turnover is going to be – whereas with Russell Westbrook, that's not the case. He can Russell still turn it over. Less than four and a half turnovers per season since 2014-15. See, that's disgusting. Man. Early- Everyone needs to take a lesson from Chris Paul. Early in his career, he was at 3.3, 3.3, 3.6, but there was Harden and there was Kevin Durant there, and he wasn't asked to do as much as he is. Then, then he kind of took on this mentality that he needed to be a playmaker after Harden left, and, you know, we had the downfall of the Thunder. But anyways, uh, thank you for tuning in tonight. Um, we always run out of time. We never get to everything we want to talk about. But we're going to uh, be back on Friday. We'll, we'll probably take a break from football talk for Friday since there's no football coming up this Sunday. We'll have a lot more topics to discuss. And then next week, Super Bowl week, we'll probably get into Super Bowl matchups and previews quite a bit. But thank you for tuning in. It's been a pleasure, guys. Have a good night. Thanks.